Well, welcome to Bombadil's Porch. Uh, we are back. This is two weeks in a row, which is something of a recent record. It feels like New Year's when my diet has gone past, like, January 3rd. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Mission accomplished. That's right. Check. Although, uh, we are not full strength today. The Klontz is out doing Klontzy things somewhere else. Can I reach? I, w- I want to share with the audience. <laughs> um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go off mic here to find All right. This. He's, he's scooting to a comfortable spot. He has extended and grabbed his phone. <laughs> and now I'm back. And now he's back. I, I want to share. Uh, it, uh, I pulled up to the building today mm-hmm. to uh, to join Chris here. And and I get out of the truck and you look at me with this weird look. And I was kind of wondering, did I, am I here at the wrong time? <laughs> and you said, didn't, didn't you cancel? <laughs> and I said, no, that was Klontz. And, um, and I think Caleb, if, if you actually listen to this, you, you we're, this is our, you probably uh, won't our think we're safe. Probably won't. Here's the text that we got. Um, what was that? Oh, my glasses. Not long before the recording no. time, he writes this gentlemen, I apologize, but I will not be able to make our porch time today as I inadvertently overlooked an obligation during that time slot. Uh, I See, think, was that a chat GPT? Did he use I don't that? know. Cause that sounded like you or chat GPT. <laughs> well, it's, you thought I had written that right away. <laughs> it better not be because a new flavor of soap was released. Oh, we need to go check. Uh, apparently. And he was going to talk about this on the porch today because I caught him earlier with a box of, of smelly stuff that had come in and he was very excited about it. But I said, oh, Scrub Club. He's like, no, Scrub Club's out. Really? Yeah, apparently they went too mainstream for him. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. And so so there is something new and and uh, smellier. Too mainstream. <laughs> so uh, okay. if, uh, if, you're, if you are listening, Caleb, we love you. We miss you. This and is, we will mock you mercilessly this is every what, time yes, you skip. Yes, brother. This is what you get when you don't show up. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> That being set aside, question, do you think it is desirable for every city to want to become a tourist attraction? Hmm. I think it's desirable. Uh, some, are, some are better suited than others uh, because of location. Uh, I'm guessing like Omaha, Nebraska has some tourist challenges, but I could be wrong on that. So, Because here's the thought that comes to my mind. It seems like there are places that are geared well for people to visit yeah. and there are places that are geared well for people to stay. Mm. And how would you like, like to visit? We're talking about right. like going to, so, going to Seattle might be or, fun. Yeah. Or think Leavenworth, for example, oh, where, yeah, it, yeah. you know, that the, the town has been designed to be a place that welcomes in people who are not going to be there very long. Yeah. And it's been designed around that. And there's aspects of local community life that are compromised. You're not just going to go out, hang out with your neighbors in the town square yeah. You're going to hang out with all kinds of people you'll never see again, right? And Yeah, lots and of restaurants. Lots of restaurants. Lots of hotels. And yeah, and just the additional congestion and, yeah. and things that come with being a place where lots of folks are coming who don't live there. And then there are other places where uh, the it's built around the community, right? And there are community gathering places, community parks, community resources. The, the neighborhoods still feel like neighborhoods. You know, You know your neighbors. Would it, would another way of looking at it? Because I lived in yeah. San Diego for a time. Okay, a was that of, a good balance of both? You thought? Well, the summers, like your population goes way up, and because of all the tourism there, the uh, the lines at restaurants are long. You can't find any parking, and and then all of a sudden at the end of the summer, 
which I guess would be Labor Day for many, and everyone goes back to school, all of a sudden it felt like we got our town back. And and suddenly it was just, you know, the population probably dropped in half, it felt like. <laughs> so that but that's what happens in a tourist town. Sure. Whereas when I, I lived in outside of Philadelphia on the New Jersey side, don't see that kind of fluctuation in the summer. It's kind of like this. I mean, no one is going to Cherry Hill, New Jersey for their <laughs> holiday plans or their vacation plans. It's right. just kind of like steady. Yeah. And that I don't think is necessarily bad. No. Now, if nobody's going there because even the people who are there wish they weren't there, that's a different problem. <laughs> but I think it's okay if there are places where this is just where families live. Mm. And then there are other places where this is where families play. And yeah. and I think that that's okay. And, and the reason I raise this, and you know where I'm going with this, is that uh, our Deer Valley is trying to attract uh, more tourism. This town. This that town in. that we are in, Spokane Valley. And they're looking for a better tagline to to draw people in. Now it seems to me hmm. what is what is San Diego's tagline? I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> didn't, didn't need one. It didn't need one. What's Leavenworth's tagline? Don't know. Don't know. Hawaii? Did, I have no yeah. idea. Yeah. So part of me thinks if you're starting with your tagline, you might have put the cart before the horse. <laughs> what if you put <laughs> put the thing everybody wants to come see in? And then you can give some branding around it. If we have a good enough tagline, people will spend their entire vacation here. Okay, that's it. You're yeah. right. That's kind of you're you're starting from a position of weakness. Yes. If you need a tagline, you don't have to build it. If we say it, they will come. You know. <laughs> uh, so so that, had, there's a little bit. I, I hadn't, hadn't thought of the valley as you know, a tourist. I didn't here. either. I'm not really sure. I mean, what are there three yeah. hotels here? I'm, and I'm not sure there's what you a, would do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if. If you were, though, and this was an interesting thought experiment for me, um, I actually threw this out even to our youth, and so that was kind of an adventure. Uh, what what are the words that come to mind when you think of reasons why we love the gift of living in the valley, mm. right? Because you're there, there are places that are harder to love, but to be to be in a place, to have a place is a gift, and it's always easy to be critical. And I even asked them after I said, okay, what are some of the positive words? And everybody immediately turned to each other and whispered something and then giggled. And then nobody actually raised their hand to answer my question. So afterwards I was like, raise your hand. If the first thing you did was turn to somebody and say something snarky and negative about this city and Boring. all the hands went up in the air, like, right? That's, that's easy to do no matter what the situation is. You can always find the faults, but for you, what would you say are some of the words that come to mind that describe aspects of this city that, that you're thankful for. I do think it's a pretty area. So beautiful. Beautiful. Um, yeah. We don't have mountains, but we've got hills. There's forests. Sorry, Mount Spokane. You don't quite count. Not quite. That little bold <laughs> spot that turns white during the winter because <laughs> of the snowfall doesn't quite yep. count. Uh, I would, you know, it's something I've been surprised at here. Cause I didn't move here because it's a, I, I, I thought of it as a tourist Mecca. It was for <laughs> other reasons. I had, no? I had <laughs> Anita's parents had, had retired here mm -hmm. and we were trying to get our kids closer to grandparents. Uh, but I have been surprised. I think the four seasons is very nice. Yeah. Seasons comes up for me big. Uh, the sunsets are surprisingly beautiful. Especially during smoke season. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Those oranges are incredible. <laughs> they are. Um, so I think the, the rivers, the, the outdoors is, is pretty, we don't have yeah. a lot of it necessarily like right here, but it's, it's, it's in the area. So those are a couple of nice things. Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, I like the fact that, um, there, 
and this will probably change over time, but there are large swaths of the valley. You're just driving through neighborhoods, right? And yeah. I think that's something that disappears in a lot of places, uh, just to see yards and, and lawns and, and people out walking their babies in strollers yeah. and, um, and dogs and, you know, still have deer, right. still have now. deer, <laughs> flower gardens, <laughs> uh, just places where uh, people have the opportunity to have a little bit of earth to take care of it and love it. Um, and to do that around a group of other people that they can then share some life with. And we talked about how the suburbs can be notoriously antisocial, but you do still see uh, some pockets where just people are, are still living in a community. And that's, that's nice. I, I'm thankful for the parks that we yeah. have around the valley, that there are those green spaces that we can go and enjoy. That's a, that's a gift and it's a blessing. Um, and one of the things that's interesting about the valley is it seems like a place that a lot of places experiment with to see can we make it in the Northwest? And so the, oh. the sheer number of just like restaurants and, yeah. and things like that, that, yeah. that are popping up around here are quite a bit. Although this surprised me. Did you, have you been down Sullivan recently? Oh my goodness. I was, when you first said about the Valley, that was going to be my complaint, but then you told me not to okay. complain. Well, the, the endless construction. There is the endless construction, but I want to talk about something that's not there. Oh, good. Did you notice uh, Taco Bell's gone? Oh, is it? See, I don't It's ever, completely I don't empty and all there. the signs are down. It was just like, oh. that happened like overnight. That is interesting. See, I don't. I, These I are don't. things youth pastors pay attention to. <laughs> yeah, I was just heading up uh, Sullivan. And, How recently was this? Uh, I don't know when it closed exactly, but uh, I think it was Tuesday I that bet, we noticed it was gone. I bet the Wendy's. And it was there the week before. I bet the Wendy's biggie bag did them in. Can't Might compete have been. with the Biggie Bay. That that is interesting because there is a constant line through the drive-through at Taco Bell there. Yeah. So wow. So that that surprised me. But anyway, yeah. so things there are there is change in the valley, but it, there's a lot of variety, um, and that's that's nice. I know sometimes people say oh, there's nothing to do in the valley. Well, that's not entirely true. Um, there's there's actually if you don't mind going for a walk, if you don't mind getting outdoors a bit, there's a lot of beauty here. Hmm. Uh, would you? invite your neighbors to come and see all of this bounty with the phrase discover Spoval. No, no, that's confusing. How do you spell Spoval? S-P-O-V-A-L. Spoval. Yeah. See, Spoval. already we have grammar. Yeah. We have Spoval. See, Spoval sounds a little bit like a medical condition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't you drink need to the go water. to the doctor you... and get that removed. Old Benny got caught a Spoval. nasty Spoval. Bad case of Spoval. <laughs> yeah. Got to got to go to the 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 uh, urgent care to get that get that special cream for his spoval. The cynical side of me says that somebody on the council was just saying, "Hey, half the people that are coming here are coming from California, and they have SoCal, so we'll call ourselves Spoval, <laughs> and it'll be just as good." Terrible, but it but it isn't. <laughs> That's Spoval. my theory. Spoval. spoval. Now, yeah. um, now the I. The art. Okay, you're going. So, did I'm, you read an article about up. this? Was this an article about? Yeah, this? Yeah, it was. Okay, I did um, read an article about this. Did I they? Did we hire? Did the town hire a consultant to help with this, or was this something we just I didn't did say? Didn't say how the 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 names were all generated. Just that the city council was was going to be voting on a number of options, including discover the valley. I believe it was discover Spofowl. and then my favorite one, which we talked about earlier, which is adventure nearby. <laughs> We don't have our own, but we just, we, but, yeah, but we can see the adventure right at Pines and Evergreen here. and Sullivan. We need to have signs that say you're almost there. <laughs> <laughs> 
You know, I wonder, have you noticed up going up Sullivan up north on mm-hmm. Sullivan, there's a massive billboard of a guy in a, in a, uh, what's that, what's that garb that the <clears throat> Germans like to wear? Lederhosen? Lederhosen holding a massive mug of beer out at you. <laughs> and then above it, it says something like Leavenworth or something like that. <laughs> Maybe this is why the Valley's. <laughs> Maybe. Adventure nearby. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I'm going to suggest that we don't have that as our city tagline. Cause that just feels sad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there are other, but I, I, am challenged by the whole notion that we would become a tourist magnet. Yeah. I don't see that happening. I would much rather, instead of them coming up with a tagline to describe what they feel is the most marketable feature of, of the Valley. I, I would much favor a, a city coming up with a tagline that describes why they love where they're at that expresses their, their affection for their place. Yeah. And it's for their people. And if you have a place that's worth coming to, people will come and the word will spread and you don't have to tell people like you, you know, we were talking earlier, you don't have to say, go to, to, to San Diego. Have you heard their tagline? Or right? you just, everybody wants to go see sea world and whatever is down, you know, the beaches and, yeah. and just the atmosphere of, of Diego and it becomes its own tagline. But if you're going to have a tagline as a city, it should be something that I think is is meaningful about what you love about your city. So we, we tax, there you go. We tax you more or <laughs> we permit anything. Um, I've, I've got my own list going <laughs> oh, over <dear>. here. <laughs> maybe we ought to move on to a different yeah, subject. Maybe, okay, <laughs> moving right along then. <laughs> Endless real estate tax. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. There, those are options that would not all be untrue. Uh, but they would not increase tourism. Uh, so... Moving on to our next topic, which was really a cloud of topics. And it was a cloud of topics that kind of share a similar heartbeat. Um, and it's something that you'd brought, brought with you. And it had to do with um, some things that you've been uh, consuming in, ter- in the form of entertainment. You've been reading in the form of, uh, of information that's circulating around. But also even just biography and part of your life story. And it has to do with uh, corners of the of the mainstream evangelical world and even corners that are very closely aligned with where we've grown up that, that have a certain reputation Mm. and upon scrutiny in many cases have worked hard to earn it. (laughs) Uh, Having a reputation is not always a fair thing. Uh, We know that our enemy, uh, his chief go-to strategy is slander. And so there's a lot of falsehoods that have been leveled at God's people over the years that just have no basis in reality. But what we were discussing was a number of observations uh, within the church and also from the secular culture that sadly ring pretty true. Uh, and I don't know where you want to dive in on that, but uh, I was I was wondering what, how you would come in because uh, we talked about a lot. Yeah, we talked I, for like an hour, didn't we? We did. Yeah. I, 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 maybe we'll start at the middle. Okay, and then we'll so that people know where we're going and then we'll jump to the edges and work our way in. If you were to try to put in a phrase what you, you would, uh, if you were a a church doctor and you had to diagnose the condition that all of these things from secular TV shows, uh, your documentary series to, um, to church movements that have gone really amok to just personal experience that we've had somewhat anecdotally Mm -hmm. in the church, what would be the diagnosis of the condition well, I think from the outside in, um, I, at one point it would have been those people are hypocrites or misguided. Okay. Uh, and I, and I, I, 
I think the misguided part is wrong. And the reality is all of us are kind of hypocritical. We're fallen human beings. And, and, those, and even <clears throat> if we're blessed to have been mm-hmm. redeemed by yeah. the, the work of the Lord Jesus on the cross and his resurrection. Yeah. Um, we we still, all do things that are hypocritical. We still fall, right? So that was always an accusation. Mm-hmm. I would say, yeah, that's, that's true. Um, and, and that's because we're fallen. I wonder, though, more recently – if we're just a non-issue, and that kind of disturbs me a little mm. bit. What do you mean by that? If we're a non-issue, I don't think the world cares about us anymore. I don't think they barely okay. even notice. I think the only thing they they associate us with is voting for the political candidates that they <laughs> abhor. Yeah, um, that's true. They probably think more about us in terms of conversations about Trump than they do about yeah. salvation. And I think for a lot of believers, these are candidates we don't even particularly like. We wouldn't want our daughters dating these people but they're like mm-hmm. of the options we have <laughs> yeah i'm not I'm not even trying to get into not at all but i just, but I just think for a yeah. lot of people when they if they heard evangelical their first thought would be people who vote for trump yeah. is what they would assume not people who believe in jesus christ as the only way for salvation yeah or people that love their neighbors even though it's kind of weird we don't know why they do it right, right. Is, we're not we're sure, not sure. necessarily known for that i think um um so I think those are a couple things that that grab my attention um, in terms of trying to think like how would we be mm-hmm. diagnosed or described. I think I think a couple other things. Uh, probably this is a little more narrowed in um, on pretty conservative, probably conservative evangelical churches like I've I've been a part mm-hmm. of almost all my life. Is I think a lot of people think of us as people that are are kind of like uh, they would call it religious nerds. And, and, and what I, and that's, that's what an outsider would call it. And I think what they mean by that is people that use all those big fancy words and they kind of talk, they're talking almost like uh, professors talk or intellectual people talk. And I have no idea what you're talking about. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think it's partly because um, in a culture, I'll say maybe like a Bereans, not as a denomination, but as, is as described in the new Testament, people of the book, I think, I think there's as conservative Christians, a lot of us love our Bible. And uh, and we love the fact uh, we love the fact that it is, is it is truth. It's God's revealed truth about Himself, about everything He wants us to know about our lives and responsibilities to Him, His expectations of the way we interact with each other. And as a result, we spend a lot of time studying it. Um, and in some cases, we've spent a lot of time studying the books about it that others. So so like I kind of think of like you know commentaries and and books about the Bible mm-hmm. and. Uh, in some ways, it kind of reminds me of the Orthodox Jews, right? They spend a lot of time not just studying the Torah, although they know it well. They spend a lot of time studying everyone else's studies about the Torah. So I think those are a couple things that, like people that they, you guys use weird words and like in terms of the world looking in. So um, I, I don't know if that you know is that middle ground you're wanting to start with, or if you've got you know some others other things to well, sound yeah. In on that. And I would yeah maybe just pad that out because I think what you're describing is. Um, what what would Mappy call an errant intellectualism mm. that and, and ism is is key there. Yeah. Right. A Christianity that isn't intellectual is in big, big trouble. <laughs> I don't <laughs> so, even know what it would be. I mean, if right. you haven't comprehended what it is. Yes, because <laughs> central to the to what it means to be a Christian is a truth claim. Yeah. Uh that that needs to be defended and lived out or the peril of your soul, right? Yeah, you need to understand. Oh, I love God, whoever that is. That's not good enough, right? <laughs> 
so, so intellectual ism, though, where it is the knowing of things itself that has become the goal of, of the enterprise, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that has an interesting relationship with another dynamic that you described. And, and I want to actually ask some follow-up questions to make sure we define our terms carefully, but you use the word legalism multiple times. Oh, earlier. Yeah. 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 And so there, there's this des- desire sometimes just to accumulate knowledge, mm. which you might call an artificial relationship. Yeah. But I think there's also a desire to accumulate works in mm. a way that can become an artificial holiness. And I think those two are actually many times closely associated. Yeah. Right? So uh, let me let me delve into that a little bit, and, yes. and we want to get unpack. Your yes, unpack as it were. The pastor's favorite word. No kidding. I, and, and when did that come into vogue, by the way? And I, and I know I'm, I just grabbed a, a rabbit yep. hole to run down. I don't know when it came into vogue exactly, but it was really popular when I was in college. Everybody yes. was unpacking. <laughs> and I think it actually, if we're honest, I think it came out of therapeutic context. <laughs> you would well, go into therapy and then they would unpack your past, your trauma, your blank. So there are certain phrases in, in catch on, especially if if if, yeah. coll- if college professors are, are using them, and then you know we we mm-hmm. we eager beavers in the seats are like, oh, that's a cool, yeah. that's a cool term. I'm going to reuse so, that. Um, yes. So pick your favorite. Yeah, I'm unfolding gonna, of information yeah, term, let, and, let's, and let me have it. Let's unpack that. Baby. Let's do that. The um, <laughs> and now I'm trying to remember what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked uh, about artificial it, relationship yes. and artificial holiness in the form yeah. of intellectual ism and legal ism. Well, and I find what's interesting is you can take anyone, anyone, non-believer who's religious. What does that often mean? It means they know a lot about something kind of a secret knowledge or not common knowledge. They maybe maybe they know a lot about uh, mm-hmm. the the you know, Buddhism or something, they're religious. They or know. characterized by the ritual and practice. And, and that would be the, the works, right? Yeah. So like they know a lot about something and then they, they, mm-hmm. they, they faithfully do these, yeah. these various rituals and traditions and activities. And it can be either one, I would say, because there are certain religions yeah. where the observant are very faithful in, in patterns and rituals, yeah. but, but intentionally know very little information about their faith because in some cases they're being kept in the dark on purpose. Yeah. 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 Um, so I, I, I think, you know, in the context of my, my background, things that at times not necessarily, I don't even say I was necessarily taught these things, but over time you can find that, that you've, the Lord will come at times. And, and, and what I love about the Lord is when he rebukes, he does it to those he loves, thank God. Mm-hmm. And and some of the areas that I know for myself haven't been caught up in over the years without even really appreciating it or realizing it is that this deepening, always going for the deeper study of God's word. And, and I think that's beneficial, provided that it's the motivation to know him better and to be more conformed mm-hmm. to the work that he's doing in your life. The key there is him. Key there is abiding in him. There have been times, though, in my, my Christian walk where uh, it was a, a pursuit of knowledge, not only of God's word, but a pursuit of knowledge of a lot of the, uh, uh, the- theological systems and various mm-hmm. methods by, that are meant to be helps in understanding what God's word means and how, it's meant to be apl- how it can be applied to your own life. But um, but a lot of that is is I, I dare say for myself was intellectualism. It was 
it was a fault. Maybe a maybe I could have tricked myself into thinking, oh, this is about knowing God better. But it's really about oh, I can know about Him better to look, to impress other people. That's really there's a pride element there, and I think for religious people, there's a lot of that. Uh, there's pride at the center of it. Uh, that I want to know a lot about this so that I can speak about this and that I can be respected by others or in some way right. it's about other people and their opinions. I think the same can – now, the work side is kind of interesting. I think that can be both. A lot of people, religious people, doing the good things that they were – that they're meant to do. One mm-hmm. is that makes – it can make you feel better about yourself, can be about others. In both cases, though, what's interesting is I'm not suggesting – I mean, I don't think anyone who knows Christ would suggest that knowing more about him isn't a good thing. It's absolutely a good thing. And that and that – Oh, fill, you know, fulfilling the works uh, that God has instructed us to do in his word are bad. That's not a bad thing either. I think it really comes down to the why. Why am I doing it? And uh, is it about me? Or is it because I love him? Is it about winning his goodness? I think uh, winning his favor. Uh, I think so. At, at one thing that comes to mind, I think for, uh, and you and I might probably have talked about this at one point or another, that for for I'm particularly concerned for young people, Christian kids growing up in my own house, uh, Christian kids growing up in church, is is it's it 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 is very possible that they could be growing grow up thinking that this this walk with the Lord is simply the things we just described accumulation of knowledge about the Bible and about a biblical worldview. Mm-hmm. systematic frameworks by which we can better understand the Bible, uh, memorization of all these different helps, some of it scripture, some of it being um, you know other things about the Bible, thinking that that is Christianity and thinking that if I do these certain things, or probably the better way to put it, I don't do certain things, that's my Christianity. And you can do those things and not have a thriving relationship with the Lord. You could do those things and not even know him, know him personally. And that and that's kind of scary for me. I would say, like in our for Nita and I both, that's one of the challenges. One of the things that is really struck us about what are our our kids, are they seeing a thriving relationship with the Lord in my life and in Anita's life? Are they seeing that in us? Are they understanding that that is the core of being a disciple? Uh, a good a disciple who loves the Lord will learn more about him, just like the way that I love Anita. I've learned a lot more about her over the years, and I'm learning new things all the time. Hope so. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I love her, so I do things because I love her. There's some things I don't even want to do in my on my own. If I was a bachelor, there's all kinds of things I wouldn't do. TV series I would not watch. Uh, period yeah. dramas, period dramas that I would not be watching, right? But I do it because I love her, and, and yeah. I've actually grown to enjoy some of these things because I know she delights in it. So, using, well, and I would even yeah. sort of even tweak maybe the language there, because um, I think you, you touched on an important category. I think there's things that you don't feel like doing, mm. but the reason you do it is because you want to do it. Yeah, and the reason you want to do it is because it is a subordinate desire to a greater desire of, of knowing your wife. And so we always do what we want to do. <laughs> we don't always do what we feel like doing. Yeah. And we are, we are controlled by our wants. And that's so I think it's part of what you're describing is 
we have to have children whose wants are controlled by a love for God. Yeah. And not by looking like a good Christian or sounding smart or finding social acceptance or pleasing mom and dad or fill in the blank of the other alternative wants that could be what's actually shaping their behavior. Or or a notion of what I guess what I might summarize, saved by grace, keep God happy by <laughs> doing stuff. And right. and that is that is a terror that is a miserable place to live. It is. And, and actually it kind of got me thinking along these lines over the years. Now I'm I'm sure some people say this this little phrase and they don't mean anything bad by it. So not trying to, you know, poke someone with a needle here, but have you noticed when you when you're talking with folks, hey, how's it going? You know, Jim Bob. <laughs> you really don't like this response, do you? <laughs> How are you doing, Jim Bob? Better than I deserve. Uh, there it is. <laughs> and it's like, that is okay. So the saying itself is 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 partly funny. And I think for most people it's just kind of like, you know, that's their thing, right? Mm-hmm. But I but you and I have talked about this, this moroseness that it could be that that sometimes weighs heavy like a fog. But it can also be gratitude. It, it can. Well, that phrase for sure. But I, th- I use that. I use the phrase to kind yeah. of. There are people that I, I dare say a lot of believers. I was one of them for a while, and still, and God still, you know. Fortunately, he he's still working on me. Um, but th- this this belief saved by grace, but God doesn't like me. Yeah. He loves me, but when he was on the cross. When Jesus was on the cross, he was really thinking about the Father. I'm just kind of like part of the deal, theologically correct. Mm-hmm. But but God does love Incomplete. you. God loves <laughs> God loves you, yeah. And He loves you more perfectly than you love your own children. He loves you more yeah. perfectly, even if you had wonderful parents, like model parents that they make posters of and put mm-hmm. a, and, and put up in the schools, like to say these are the model parents. And they were real. And they were real. He loves you <laughs> so, more than those than, yeah. they, than those parents love their children. Yeah. He loves you. He doesn't simply tolerate you. Right. He loves you. And and I keep going back to that, and I keep restating that because I think sometimes you got to say it over and over again, not because saying it makes it true, but I say it because it is true. Because God's word is full, right. mm-hmm. full of statements about His love, uh, love for us, and and the beauty of that is rather than the, the I, I think sometimes you, we can get caught up in just the humdrum of of a Christian life where, yes, I'm saved by grace, but I, I'm just such a disappointment to him. He probably, he, I know he loves me, but I don't think he likes me. Uh, he does. He, mm-hmm. he, 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 he has chosen to love you. Even when he's disciplining you. Yes. And when he saved you, when he chose you, he is not surprised by all the ways that you keep screwing up. He knew it <laughs> when he was on the cross. Um, when he took on the sins of the world, he didn't simply take on the sins of your life before you came to Christ. And then after that, oh, I've just, I, I keep disappointed. So I just think there's a moroseness yeah. that can sometimes um, weigh heavy on folks. And I and, and I have to say, too, I think sometimes, too, there's a, a little satisfaction. There's a little penance in there, right? Like, like uh, oh, I'm uh, woe is me, but I kind of feel like I'm... I'm I'm doing this self-flagellation. <laughs> right. <laughs> to, to, Which itself becomes a work. Oh, to earn my to earn his favor. So 
Um, yeah. What is I'm more messed up about my sin than you are messed up about your sin, which <laughs> means I'm a better person than you. By the way, I use the word flagellation for all of our young <laughs> listeners because they love that word. It is a great word. Because it sounds so much like another delightful word. But anyway, we'll move on. Uh, <laughs> uh, this reminds me, and maybe this is part of the unpacking. Sure, you're not a youth pastor. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, I actually used the phrase, uh, Hugh smelted, dealt it in a work context recently. And one of the people on there starts laughing. He's like, I haven't heard that in 20 years. I said, I haven't heard that in 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> home with teenagers. So um, – and maybe in more of the unpacking, there yeah. um, I think what can happen here with this saved by grace, this 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 false. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call it a belief, but I don't think a lot of people knowingly believe it. But a lot of us practice this saved by grace, but just I got to keep God happy, and I'm always disappointing Him, so I got to get back to doing my my ten dis, my disciplines of a godly man chapters one through twelve. Not mm-hmm. that these are bad things, but these are not the things that keep God happy, right? No. Um, what He delights, what He wants, is our affection in our hearts. But I think what can oh go ahead, it sound like you're, look yeah, like you're going to say something. I think yeah, and we're in a we're in a range. We're in a, we're on a topic where precision is important because there are. Most roads have ditches on two sides. Somehow this, this topic has ditches on like six sides. In the middle. I don't know. I don't even know how that's possible, <laughs> but it does. And so- It's a stratego road. Yeah. yeah. Is, is God pleased by sin? No. No. Uh, we are always accepted in the beloved. And yet we can grieve him, mm. right? And so um, there is a blessedness, there is a happiness to God that we can't touch. That is just who he is because he is always happy in himself. And there is an affection that he has for his son, Jesus Christ, that we can't mess with because we have nothing to do with it and he's perfect. And there's an affection for us in Jesus Christ that our actions can't touch mm. because it's based off of the father's love for the son. Those are, those are, I think, some of the unshakable realities that you're getting at. And at the same time, our sin can grieve our father. Mm. And it does. And it does. It breaks our fellowship. Yeah. Let me throw a, an illustration out there to see if this works. Um, in my relationship with Anita, if I, mm-hmm. from the time I met her, had simply kind of kept track of, oh, she doesn't like that, write that down. Oh, she likes that, write that down. Doesn't like me to say that, doesn't like this color. Don't forget to date those because they change. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. So. And I end up with a long list of Anita's likes and dislikes. And, and I just, every day I'm mm-hmm. trying to focus on that list. Right. Um, that is a terrible way. By the way, I, I'm pretty sure she wouldn't have married me because what kind of psychopath does that? Mm-hmm. Um, but in my heart of hearts, I'm like, no, I'm trying to pay respect to your likes and dislikes. But for me, every day is about reviewing the likes and dislikes in my mm-hmm. notepad and flipping through it. And I might even start to categorize them to help me understand it. I'll color code them for sure. There we go. Um, and I go, and that's that is the way I relate to her. That is a pretty stodgy, uh, tough way to relate to someone. Whereas I love her, I'm going to pay attention to those things. It's not like I'm going to, but but the re, but mm-hmm. the love is what the delighting in her is what begins to affect these other areas. And I just think, yeah, the systems can serve the love, but they can yeah. they can't replace it, or it isn't love. An, some would say there's a nuance there, and I agree, but. But I think is is the the driving force 
in my right. relationship to her? Is it because I love her and I'm and at that point I'm I'm wooing her, right? I want her mm-hmm. to to choose me, to say yes, right? When I because I want to spend yeah. my life with her is the driving and force. not because that makes you feel better about yourself. No, right, no. and that that's key. Yeah, and and, that, and and that's where the illustration starts to sort of break down, right? Relating, but oh, but I think the marriage picture, yeah, is a good one for us. Yeah, and I think so for as as a believer, if I because I've studied God's word and been taught God's word from faithful teachers, and and but if I'm going through my day, hear all the don'ts, hear all mm-hmm. the do's. I've got to make sure I'm checking the right boxes and crossing off the right things to keep God happy. Um, that is a miserable way to live. And I think, I think it is very possible, and, and, but, and it's not out of love for him. It's more of mm-hmm. trying to keep him happy. Right. And, and I think that can lead to a really painful legalism, not legalism to be saved necessarily. It's possible to, to have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb uh, transformed into a new creature, all by the work of the Holy Spirit in your in your in your heart and life at the at, mm-hmm. at the time of salvation, but then to fall into this kind of legalistic, got to keep him happy with my lists and my do's and don'ts, and it's a miserable way to live. And there's and at the center of it isn't even a love for him; it's more of a nervousness, fear, exactly, and not a healthy fear either. That's the key word. Yeah. It's a. Uh, it's the more I don't. I don't want him to beat me up or punish me or that. I mean, that's it's an unhealthy fear. It's not a reverence yeah. for him. It's a. Uh, it's um. It's it's kind of a. What what comes to mind? And I was sharing with you earlier. We don't have to get into the details of this docu series that I, mm-hmm. I. That is is. I don't know if it's one of the most viewed in the U.S. or not, but it came out on Prime a, some some months back. It's a secular. Um, exploration but of 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 christian communities and one in particular that i think a lot of people who love the lord got caught up in not even that it was all bad but it created for a lot of people and there's a number of kids a young they were young people now adults who get interviewed in this that grew up in these households that i think their parents for all the uh, I got to assume for all the right reasons of trying to protect them from falling away from the Lord, try to protect them from mm-hmm. the ravages and temptations of the world, ended up fostering a legalistic view of God. And 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 some of them, you could tell they were genuinely saved because God, as he's rescued them, they've run back to, they've run, almost run to churches where God's word is honored, uh, a biblical relationship with God with God himself is taught. And you could see in some of these interviews um, in the docuseries and even beyond that, you see people that are thriving in their relationship with the Lord. What's sad in the docuseries, you see a lot of people that just detest the whole thing. Sure. And, and have, and in fact, have walked right into the very things that their parents thought they were protecting them from because they, this system, um, this Funny system. how that happens, huh? Yeah, right. This system that that emerged, and, and and the docuseries is called "Shiny Happy People." It's it's secular, so take it with a grain of salt. Those watching, but I found it fascinating. Um, not that it was indicting any particular area, um, you know, education styles and and seminars and all these different things. But what happened over time is a lot of people began to trust in a man-made system of activities and curriculums. And and parenting styles and structures, you might say that they 
some they probably in some way aligned with biblical principles, mm-hmm. but but not necessarily. They're man-made, and people yeah. begin to trust in those right. instead of trusting in a relationship with God Himself to protect their families from all that the world has. And unfortunately, it does the exact opposite. Kind of as you're yeah. commenting on a little. And bit I might now. call that. You might even coin that as like outcome-based Christianity. Hmm. And I think that that is something that has infected a lot of parts of the church with this idea of how do we get predictable results? And and you can understand why, right? If you're a parent and you're looking at a generational problem, um, there, there, are, there are generational problems facing our youth today, uh, just like there were back then. Certain, certain vices and sin patterns that are just becoming epidemic level. And you see, you see the carnage they cause. Right, because yeah. sin is not ever just somebody having a good time illegally. Right, it's like <laughs> <clears throat> sin is always some form of death working its way out and and left unchecked. It just it will wreak havoc, and and so you see that, and you say, I I do not want that for my children. I don't want that for my family. How do I avoid that? And that can create a desire to find a method, to find a strategy, to find a curriculum. Uh, where if you do these 12 steps, then you'll inoculate your kids against X, Y, or Z. But what's what's wrong with that is uh, as parents, you are nowhere told to, to guarantee the outcomes of your children. That's not the goal. Uh, you are told to be faithful. To, to love your children and to, and to raise them the way that, that God would have you raise them, largely patterned off of how he has treated us and, and off of his word. Um, but it's, it is a love response, not a fear response. Yeah. And I, in all these systems, um, whether it's, uh, it's the, the, what you might call the, the rules, the system, the, the technique approached, uh, uh evangelicalism that you're describing the documentary, uh, or, or any of the other, uh, cause legalism is a word you have to be careful with, right? Legalism as a, technical term means trying to achieve your justification before God um, through works and nope, don't want to do that. Um, But we also, through our sanctification, like you said, Mm. are not trying to achieve God's pleasure um, with us in a salvific way either. Mm. Now we ought to, and this is where we need to be careful because like Paul said, we do want it to be our aim in all things to be pleasing to him. Mm Mm-hmm. So our motive ought to be pleasing to God, but here's where that gets twisted because I'll bet if you took 15 people or 20 people or whatever in a room and had them read that verse where Paul says Mm. that we make it our ambition and all things be pleasing to God, you would have an interesting split between people that read that positively and read that negatively. Mm There'd be some people in the room that would see that verse and immediately say, yeah, because you don't want God to be mad at you. (laughs) And some people in the room that read that and be like, yeah, because we love him so much. Yeah. And it goes, even going back to your, your marriage illustration, mm-hmm. um, there are people who are trying hard to figure out how to be a good, good husband or a good wife, be a good spouse, because they're so scared if they do something wrong, it's going to set their spouse off. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to figure out the formula <laughs> to make for a happy marriage. And there are other people who are engaged in similar behaviors because they delight in their spouse and they have made the choice to do that, regardless of what kind of a day their spouse is having. And I think that's what's missing in, in a lot of these circles. And 
diagnosing that correctly is really important because the temptation in our pendulum-prone world uh, is always to chuck out often some of the most helpful parts of the Mm. cure because it's associated with the problem. And so if you find somebody who's in a, in a place that's characterized by intellectualism, historically, the correction has been a pietistic movement <laughs> where it's, we just need to get around and feel all the feels with as little doctrine messing us up as possible to try to connect as authentically and experientially with God as we can. If you, if you look at a, a movement that's been characterized by too much dead ritual, it's no, we need to get out and we, we need to just be living in our community and we need to be community-minded, missional-minded, and we need to have as little commitment to, to spiritual disciplines as possible because those are just dead orthodoxy. Or, um, or even on the sanctification front, uh, we, we say, wow, we're, just try- we're on this performance treadmill of trying to make God happy. We just got to stop trying to live these holy lives and just go out there and enjoy Jesus. Well, let and, me, does that make sense? It does. Yeah. And let me split a hair there too. Split it right down the middle. I think um, in in there came there are certain pract- extra biblical practices mm-hmm. and traditions that are are probably I'll just call them fine, right? Sure. Like a, so, some of those things can evolve over time, maybe. Yeah. But I think when it comes to the what we pursuing God by how he's revealed himself through his word, um, pursuing his word. I think that's a key thing. I think what can happen too, and in, in, in certainly as I was in that docuseries I was watching, not that yeah. that's like the end all, but as they, as they highlighted different routines and, and, and different like uh, beliefs, like there was a, a you know, very, there was a movement in there that dealt with, you know, how to, break a child's sinful will. <laughs> and there were instructions about this. And like, uh, they even had a name for it. We put it in it and, and, you know, and, and you see not, it's not someone describing this. Like these are the people in this movement describing it themselves. Yeah. With the, with the little, you know, it's not even, he's not even toddling yet, but we put out the blanket and we put little toys around and, and he can't even crawl, but he goes to reach for one and we swat his hand and like, keep doing that over and over again. And, and we're because we got to break the will because it's a sinful will, and it was kind of like, you, whoa, whoa, yeah, what are you talking about? And these are people that are in their minds are enacting biblical principles or are getting practical with with the mm-hmm. uh, you know the theological truths of fallen man and the sin nature, and it's like that's not what the Bible says can yeah. break the sin nature. In fact, not at all. You can't yeah. break it. You ever notice that God doesn't well, tempt anyone and yet you're going to try to fix your kid in a way that God even wouldn't use. So, well, and, and, and the goal for some hmm. of these families, yeah. what the goal was not spirit filled kids that are taught what it yeah. means to walk in the spirit exactly, and to abide in him. The goal was to produce kids that act a certain way. Right. And and so outcome based, as you well, mentioned, that sounds earlier. more like cognitive behavioral therapy, or even just Pavlovian conditioning. Well, and it really was because it was <laughs> like so. this man made concoction, mm-hmm. slapping some verses here and there. That if you actually looked up the references, you're like, that is not at all what that verse means. Yeah. And so I, I go, no. I think it comes back to the when I say splitting hairs, mm-hmm. the the never can we ever abandon God's word. 
And no. what it teaches us about pursuing him and submitting to his will mm-hmm. and 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 submitting to the work of his spirit in our hearts and our lives, we can never abandon that. That is Christianity. That's what a, yeah. a core of it, and especially uh, but there's all these other things that that over time can be added. And uh, you know, color of the pews. We kid around, yeah. right? Like these are some of the things that become our style of a church, yeah. architecture of a church. Those things are all kind of. And they, the thing is that they're important, know. and they're important in this way, because your your theology, and by that I want to mean what you believe about God, right? And it's not a stuffy word; it's just right. what you know about God has to express itself somehow, mm. right? It does. You cannot be a lover of your spouse. Mm unless it comes out in something, right? And maybe you love your spouse and you buy her chocolates and someone else loves their spouse and they, they do, uh, they go on walks together or um, what, and it would be a mistake for them to look at each other and judge each other, mm. right? Oh, it would you do all, it this way, I do it exactly. that way. Exactly, and yeah. so my way, you know, fight about how you're doing it. The other mistake to make though is to say, it's not really about those things, so I'm not gonna do any, <laughs> right? And that that's another mistake. Yeah. Uh, if we want to be able to come in and because the Holy Spirit is dwelling within us, we want to sing to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, that has to look like something. Yeah. Right? It does. And so wherever you're at, there's going to be a way that that group of people have decided this is how we're going to give expression to our belief that it, that if the Holy Spirit lives within us, we sing truth yeah. to each other and to God. Um, there, there has to be a way in which, um, if our children are to honor and obey their parents, that has to look like something or even respecting other people, you know, um, with like our kids, for example, we've, we've wanted them to use basic honorifics, you know, Mr. So-and-so, Mrs. So-and-so. Um, and we've even, so we're going to get in trouble for this. We've even allowed them to use first names, Mr. First name, Mrs. First name. We're in the Northwest, you know, get, (laughs) you know, and, and that's been where, most of the people they're talking to feel comfortable. A lot of people here do not like being addressed by their last name, but it also has reinforced the honor component. Um, I know your children often are, are very similar. They're very respectful in how they address adults. Yeah. And, and there are it, some exceptions where and, an adult will say. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, but, and the, because, yeah. but my point is that. Sure. Could somebody come and say, there's nothing about the way that they're addressing that adult that makes them more or less godly. <laughs> Well, yeah. So why would you ask your children to do that? Because they have to do something, yeah. right? They're, the the attitude that they are to be cultivating has to have some expression. And in our home, we've chosen, here's one way you can give expression to that. And in another home, it might look like something totally different. That's not my business to judge. But there's this tendency to always go from legalism to antinomianism. And Paul was addressing this. We've been going through the beginning of First Timothy with our family, getting ready because we're going to be preaching through that in, in, in our church. Um, we've been going through the first chapter together in the mornings. And, and Paul comes right out of the gate with Timothy, like, you need to go shut these guys down <laughs> there in Ephesus. <laughs> Remember I told you, I'm leaving, and I know you want to come with me, but you can't come with me to Macedonia. You're going to stay there in Ephesus because you got to shut these guys down. What are those guys doing? They're going on and on and on about myths genealogies and the law. Mm. And Paul makes it really clear. The law is good if you use it lawfully. <laughs> He's a little <laughs> word play there. And the, and the verse we've been memorizing as a family this week is 1 Timothy 1, 5, where 
in contrast to them getting wrapped around the axle of, of law in the wrong way, he says the goal of our instruction, the goal of our doctrine, right? It's the goal of the things we know and teach is love from a, pre, from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. And those are the foundations of how we approach our rituals, our practices, our traditions, our habits. And so a lot of these things that have been built up over the years uh, are not bad. Right. And in fact, in some cases, are very good and very important, even though you could get rid of them and do no damage at all to to how God views you. Now let me But they're important okay. they're important when they are the understood expression of how I put my love for God into action. And yeah. that's how and that's how they have to be communicated to to each generation is this has been the tradition of how we try to put into action this thing that we believe about the God we love. You may have other ways that you try to do that, but this is how we've we've done this traditionally. And in that context, those those things become very important. I should have had a notepad here. Different things hitting me there. <laughs> One is I love the unspoken call to unity, not just within a yeah. local congregation like here at VBC, absolutely, or, or where you know at our church up up Sullivan or numerous other churches <laughs> in the area. Right? It, there is there is a there are different ways that Bible believing Jesus saved spirit filled Christians. Uh, Honor the Lord and worship Him. Yeah. Now I had to add all that in there because people are like, "Oh, he's talking about multiple ways to God." No, no. Nope. Um, there's just multiple different kinds of Christian churches all over. There are nuances and changes, <laughs> uh, differences in the way that they exp express their worship for the Lord. Yep. Um, I'm not trying to be ecumenical here. It's just a reality, no. right? And speaking, some of, and some of that's preference. Sure. And sure. some of it's even not preference. Like there are some things. There are some aspects of worship. If you compare the churches in the valley here, where some of us must be wrong. Oh, <laughs> you know, where it's yeah. like, there's even areas where it's like, yep, there, I'm pretty sure there's ba baptism, there's, right? Like there's, a, there's, yeah, well, you yeah. either should be or shouldn't be baptizing your babies, right? right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, is that and there can still be unity. Is that something to break fellowship over? No. Um, in fact, I think, I think God's call to unity is probably something we don't take seriously enough. Yeah. I think, um, I think a lot of good churches, well-led churches, obviously take it seriously within their own congregation. But I'm think, talking about like from one church to the next. I don't right. think that I don't think that call to unity um, and that preciousness mm -hmm. of the of, of unity within the overall body of Christ is probably something any of us take as seriously as we ought to. It in fact is one of the biggest testimonies to the world mm -hmm. uh, uh, that we are different. The other thing that came to mind too, I love uh, and actually this I think you did overtly state is if I might paraphrase. The or Christ improve upon. Well, just paraphrase, just paraphrase. <laughs> I doubt I'll... Uh, the Christian life is something that happens in the real world, not just in your brain. <laughs> Amen. There's a lot of stuff that goes on in your brain that never translates into the real world. And therefore, I will say, a lot of it is probably meaningless or worthless. Um, I would say... And if you're it, a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word, James has some pointed things to say. And I'm going to pick an Faith example. without works is what? Dead. Yeah. Dead. I'll pick one example. There's a, I think a lot of us will say, have said at one time or another, oh, I, I love my neighbor as myself. But your neighborhood would have no idea because <laughs> it's never translated into the real world. Right. I'm guilty of this. Absolutely guilty of this. 
and and pray that the Lord will continue to teach me and sanctify me in this area. If I if I claim that I love the love the Lord my God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, then I will love my neighbor as myself in a way that is tangible. Uh, when Jesus unpacks what it means by that, who's my neighbor, mm-hmm. Rabbi? When Jesus explains what he means by that, uh, he talks about a very tangible story where yeah. the Samaritan good the Samaritan comes along and actually helps the man. The first two guys that travel up the road and ignore the man, very religious people, by the way, didn't show love for their neighbor. Mm-hmm. They saw it, they recognized it, and continued on. That's not love. Even if they felt sympathy or compassion, that's still not love. They right. did something about it. And I think that's an area that um, is 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 just one example, right? Yeah. The, the Christian life is something that translates into the real world. It gets out of your head and it translates into the real world. The beauty of the Christian life, though, is it's not just my head doing – and it's not my body doing the things that I know are true. It is me abiding in Christ, working out those things <laughs> mm-hmm. that I know are true because I love him. Right. And he loves me. So I, a couple of things came. There were a few others there, but I don't have a notepad over here. I should have, <laughs> I should have wrote that down. But I, I do, I do think that this is an area, and this is not a condemnation. Um, it, it is, it is. I, I, there's a joy mm-hmm. in running back to the, you know, we are. He is the vine. We are the branches. There's a joy in running back to Him, who is the, who is the one who indwells me, and 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 even in in day to day living works of ministry, Lord, because you can do works of ministry in the flesh. It's scarily um, easy to do, I would say. Uh, There's not a lot of fruit, but it can be done. You know, even even in in the way that we interact with each other, loving our neighbors, not doing it simply because I have to, but doing it, Lord, please give me the right heart attitude Mm -hmm. uh, to love, love those in the body around me, love my neighbors, love the world around me, Love you. So those are a couple of things that uh, I, I, as I watch that docu series, it is, it is painfully fascinating to watch, because these are these are people that you have compassion for. The stories that you're hearing, these sad testimonies, right. of people talking about, and and you can hear it with some of them, like just they can't believe that they ever lived in this bubble. And how horrible it was. And it wasn't horrible because it was God-filled. It was horrible because it was something else. And and you can't help but have compassion for them. Right. And 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 so anyway, that was kind of what was in mind. I, I think as believers, if we can exhort one another, lift one another up, focus on unity, uh, this this thing called the Christian life is not does it moves from being an intellectual exercise, moves from being something that is simply kind of doing works in my own strength moves us back to being filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's not something weird. I mean, that's what the Bible teaches. Mm. And working out our salvation, not on my own, but because he's the one working through me. And yeah. and it's him. It starts with him. It's It ends with yeah. him. And everything in the middle is him. And there is a joy in being in being. A, united with and you don't disappear in that process right i mean like paul said he was laboring he was striving uh, agonizing those are all words he used to describe his labor in the verses where he said through god's strength yeah and it is that mix and i think that that's uh something to keep in perspective because it is again going back to that pendulum uh a lot of life uh 
we can we can easily divorce off of parts of life that are very much worship and pretend like they're bad or not worship just because we're not feeling a certain feeling at the time, mm. right? The the discipline of of mowing your lawn or the discipline of um, reading a book and trying to learn stuff, the um, the discipline of going to church on Sunday or it's not just it's not just my quiet time when if the sunlight's just right and the coffee's good enough, I just feel the feels. It's not just when the music team's really on point and the drums are loud enough to get your chest cage moving that now I'm worshiping. Now I'm spirit filled. It's not just when I'm going uh, to my neighbor's door and I'm, I'm giving them some expression of tangible love. Um, all of, all of life gets pulled, pulled into this and, and we, yes, we do it through God but we also need to do it right and it's yeah. he's he's intentionally left a tremendous amount of life um always defined by the principles that apply in the moment but undefined as to the specific action that needs to come next there are some cases when it's you know what you need to do yeah but when he put us in this world and he made us stewards of this world and then through Christ he's calling us to be also his representatives to the world a lot of that is, so go do that the way somebody who loves me would do that. Just just tell me, Jesus, what am I supposed to wear and where am I supposed to go and what am I supposed to say and who am I supposed to talk to and how am I supposed to help? And Which job offer to take sometimes? Yeah, and, and we don't want uh, to demonize all of, all of these aspects of life that just don't necessarily feel um, right, emotional, and and part of I think mature Christianity is is realizing the significance of every moment. Yeah, and and that walking by the Spirit doesn't always feel like floating along on a cloud. <laughs> you know, well, you know, um, if I may, sometimes the secular world is is good at um, at observing biblical truth or God's work. Mm -hmm. And, and, and one thing, uh, there's a book, uh, oh, was it Atomic Habits or Tiny Power, oh, Tiny Little Habits yeah, or something like that? Yeah, that became really popular. A secular guy. But one of the things that is just so true that he observed, and I think this is true about even for believers, mm -hmm. he, he, um, now he, he found little ways to trick himself into exercising. So uh, he spent, as a scientist, uh, uh, professor somewhere in, in, in California, but he spent half his year in Hawaii. Uh, tough work. If you, you know, good work, if you can find it. Gotta love being. Uh... And he, he said, when I was in Hawaii, <laughs> I had no trouble staying at my goal weight. Cause I'd surf every day and I love surfing. And he didn't even have to think about burning calories. He was thinking about his love of surfing and, and, you know, there's a lot of paddling mm -hmm. involved and different things. And so, but he said when he would come back the other half of the year to California, uh, he couldn't surf every day. And so as a result, you know, he was still, you know, he, he had the normal dietary, he didn't have any dietary restrictions at, in Hawaii because he was burning so many calories. And so he'd, he'd unfortunately put on some weight. So what he would do is uh, he was a home worker and during the day he would tell himself, you know, I'm just going to do, I'm just going to go out on the treadmill for during my lunch break or on the bike. He had some kind of you know, machine that mm -hmm. sounded like a torture device that he would do to stay in shape. And, but what he would tell himself is, and it's funny because he's basically 
deceiving himself, but he knew he was doing it. Uh, I'm just going to go for two minutes. And he would, that was enough to get mm-hmm. him on the machine. And then he'd go a couple minutes and all of a sudden he's like, oh, I can keep going. I can keep going. And all of a sudden he's burned 45 minutes on the machine. And there's a reality to human beings that is very, very seldom, very seldom. Do we ever want to do the right thing before we start? <laughs> True. But it is incredible once you start to have a little momentum in those first few minutes, and I believe the the studies say it's four minutes. Um, at four minutes of doing just about anything, I mean, aside from like standing in a fire <laughs> fire pit or something, but four minutes of just about anything, all of a sudden mm-hmm. it's like this isn't so bad, and you begin to enjoy. And I think that's true about so many things. Like you, there's times yeah. when it, it's just kind of a labor to sit myself down. And focus on God's word, because there's so many things that are just pressing on my brain that I want to go. Um, but I want to do that. And the discipline is usually just for the first few minutes or start to pray. And all of a sudden, it's just like, wow, where did the last half hour go? Right. Um, is it always that way? No. But I but I just, I think there's a delight in that. But it does take a little bit of initiative, a little bit of submission to 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 doing what God wants you to. I think the yeah. same is true with temptation. Temptation is always tantalizing. That's why it's temptation. Right. But and some are more powerful than others. But but say no. Say no. Um, sometimes you might have to pull a Joseph and go running. Um, hopefully fully clothed. Um, <laughs> but uh, there are other but but there are other times too where you just say no and run to the Lord, run to the cross with that stuff. And then all of a sudden, um the beauty of the after a while is the temptation's actually driving you back to him. And but there's a delight in there. It's not a it's not a me just grinding out in the salt mines for to try to keep God happy. That's not it at all. We're children of the King. He loves us. He wants us to delight Him. He wants us to come back to Him, um, and He wants our hearts, not just yeah. you know the various th- things I can list off that I did for Him. Amen. Well, well that's probably about where well, we need we to. Are, we we ran. We were a bit verbose. We waxed eloquent. That we did. That or at we least did. we waxed. <laughs> <laughs> I know we had something else to talk about. We'll talk about it another yeah. time, though. Oh, dispensationalism. Oh, oh, the rise and fall of dispensationalism. Yes. We'll get, yes. <laughs> have to wait for another time. Boy, that's a real teaser for the night. People are like, that's oh, right. wow, I'm really going to tune in for that. Yeah. Is that your tagline? <laughs> <laughs> Just, yeah, Bombadil's Porch. Yeah. Yeah. The rise and fall. And rise again. Rise oh, again. That's right. <laughs> Like a phoenix, indeed. Yeah, I got to keep that 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 up for Google stats. That's you know, right. References to the phoenix. <laughs> keep it high. Well, appreciate um, just that topic. It's an mm. important one. Um, we have such an opportunity as dads to shape the initial conception of these things with our children, and there will be many other influences on their life. Um, but what we're creating is their their native reaction. Right. And so how they conceive of God, how they conceive of the Christian life, how they conceive of all of these things is, is something we have the chance to, uh, to create the intuition that will, that will carry with them for the rest of their life. And, um, when we do not do that well, God is gracious and he often brings along others who can help clean that up later. Uh, but it's hard hmm. and they, they will then have to work against their intuition. But where we lay those, those stones down well, that becomes a foundation that can just be in, uh, built upon uh, readily, easily. And so I, I hope that that'll be the case for our families. 
that they won't be minimalist, you know, that we're, we're not trying to deconstruct Christianity down into its most basic parts. We've got to find the sine qua non and then throw everything else out. <laughs> um, that's, that's an overreaction. That's unhelpful. But there's a ridiculous feast that is available to the believer today that they can be thankful for. 2,000 years of churches trying to figure out how to church. 2,000 years of people reading God's word and thinking about it. 2,000 years of, of exploring different ways of connecting the dots in what God has told us. And, and those are blessings when they are different ways in which we can feed and foster that central love of God mm-hmm. and all that he's done for us in Christ. Um, and with that, I think we will land <laughs> today. Yeah. So yeah, thank you. In. Yeah. Unless you had a parting shot. No, no, okay. I'll get us going another 20 minutes. All but right. I think that, that, that is a blessing to, to, to wrap on that moment. The joy yep. of if, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And if you don't have that joy, you don't have the strength. You're <laughs> weak. Right. So I think that joy of the Lord is just an absolute. What? What? If anything, if I might add it here, right here at the end. Mm. See, I knew you had one more in you. I've I've been kind of preoccupied, as you know, for years um, <laughs> on discipleship, and 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 in my view, I think discipleship as as a cultural norm in the in in the in Christian churches uh, is not nearly as common as it ought to be. And by common, it ought to be everywhere. I mean, it is it is the thing we do. Um, disciples that make disciples that make mm-hmm. disciples. That is how the church perpetuates. And and one of the things that struck me in a lot of the materials and curriculums and various things that I've looked at over the years is vi- many of them get into right away, get into good things about knowledge, get into good things about habits and practices, uh, weekly mm-hmm. routines, you know, going to church, important things, biblical things. But how rare I found is it that they talk about what it means to walk in the spirit. And I don't mean anything weird by that. I just mean simply about abiding in him. I mean, that is yeah. the foundation of this. Yep. Um, this thing called the Christian life. You cannot live it in a joyful way, in a way that that is abundant and fruit filled without this this relationship with him, not just a word we say, but a practice, a, a relationship, a real thing in the real world that we live in. And I just think that's one of those wonderful things that joy comes from it, that um, I am a, I am a child of God. I am a, a, a bond servant of, of God. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also a friend. I'm a friend. It's okay. Like, God is a friend now, an unbelievable friend, but there's and that's okay. That doesn't diminish him in any way. It just brings attention to the amazing work he's done. That this is even possible, and and I just I think that there's joy and excitement in that. It's not always the good feel feels, but it is. But it, it it's a reality that that is a joy to walk in. Amen. It is, and with that, we will sign off here at the porch. It's been a Pleasure hanging out with you, Nate. And you too. Hope you enjoy the the football game and everything else yes. coming up uh, this yes. weekend with time with your family. <laughs> and to everybody else out there, uh, thank you for listening. We appreciate you being with us. Uh, we have noted we're going to try to line up a couple of the topics that you guys have sent in uh, via email, and we'll get those in. And hopefully, the next time that we get the three of us in one room together, 
Uh, but until then, uh, whatever it is you're doing, I hope it is characterized by love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith as we walk with joy before our God. Amen.